a peculiar state of cerebral disassociation distinguished by certain marked symptoms, the most prominent and invariable of which is a highly increased suggestibility. Hypnotism. Confabulation. Um, Isaac is here, and we got Grady. Uh, we'll address. We don't have John today. We mm-hmm. might. Maybe we can talk to him somehow. <laughs> we don't have him uh, today. Recording. He is. Uh, he's taking a, a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's taking leave for a bit. Um, so it's just going to be me and Grady for a little while. But uh, if yeah. we can, if we can communicate with him somehow, we will do what we can. We'll try. We'll try. He's not dead. Not really. <laughs> but anyways, so uh, we've got a another uh, a big boy today. We've got a big boy. Today. This one is big been boy. teased. Yes, a big boy in the world, the realm of spiritualism. So uh, you ready for it? Ready to just dive right in? Oh yeah, you okay. know me, buddy. I was born ready. You know, there's a basketball player whose nickname is Born Ready. Really? Yeah, he, he didn't was pan he, out to be worthy of the nickname. Yeah. Lance did Stevenson. he? Did who came up with the nickname? Him? I'm not sure. Actually, I just remember everybody's like, oh, you know what that boy ready. over there? He looks like he was born ready. Born ready. Born ready to be the the daggone uh, water boy. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> hear that part. His uh, his biggest claim to fame in the NBA is that one time he blew in LeBron James's ear. Oh, that's yeah, kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, he was okay. Right. He but was not fine. born ready. But he was in, yeah, born yeah. ready, you would think he's the next Michael Jordan. Exactly. But uh, My favorite was always Meta World Peace. I like I that he Meta changed World his Peace. name yeah. to Ron Meta Artest. World Peace. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't guess that was really his nickname, but. No, that was just his name. Legally, yeah, he, he changed, changed his name to Meta like, World Peace. I wonder how much World Peace he brought to the world. Though. I don't think that much. It was very meta, for sure. <laughs> it was very meta. <laughs> So let's get into it today. Well, I'll just I'll yeah, we'll all find out together who we're, who uh, we're talking about. Okay. I have no idea what this topic's going to be. So everything here, this is going to be straight from the cranium. I know. I know you guys expect from me everything well rehearsed, well rehearsed, well scripted, <laughs> knowledgeable. I would say. Yeah, I would. Grady brings the knowledge to the mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah. I, I no offense to Isaac, but. A lot of stuff he brings out is just kind of off the cuff, you know, like, you know, halfway done. Whenever I come in here, I, it's all scripted. It's all scripted. <laughs> so, <clears throat> here we go. The day was August 11th, 1826. A prophet was born. Really? In Blooming Grove, Orange County, New York. New York City? New York, upstate. Mm. The sixth child and only son of the Davis family was born. A boy who would become known as Andrew Jackson Davis. Andrew Jackson Davis. Andrew Jackson Davis. 
So the Davis family were poor both in a financial sense and a health sense, as only one of A.J. Davis's five sisters survived through childhood, and Andrew himself was a sickly child. So, not, not, not great. Also, the reason his name is Andrew Jackson Davis, uh-huh. because Andrew Jackson being president uh, right actually after or during, I forget when he took office. He, he was either during or right after 1826, but Andrew Jackson uh, was so popular amongst a certain type of person, right. and his uncle, it was four days apparently, they still hadn't named the child. I guess they just expect him to die at any moment, so they had to name him. That was him. so funny. They didn't even have him named. So they were just like, uh, finally his uncle, who was just just absolutely gone drunk, just came barging and was like crying, saying, name him after my beloved Andrew Jackson, what a hero. I'm telling you, don't name him if he's going to die, but if you want to love him... <laughs> Name him something. Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson. Name him something strong. Name him a strong name. Which, if you've listened to this podcast before... Um, you know, we're like the biggest fans of Andrew Jackson. I hate Andrew oh. Jackson. I hate him with a passion. I thought you were... No, I mean, hate's a strong word, but yeah. he's my least favorite president. What do you think? What's the likelihood of us getting him on the podcast is what I want to know. Andrew Jackson? Through mediums. Through mediums. Because I bet... It's fairly high. He's <laughs> probably in hell. Let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. I don't know if you can get... I don't know. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> his father, as well as his uncle, were alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Uh, his father was an alcoholic cobbler. Or shoemaker. Cobbler? A shoemaker. Oh, interesting. And would often be too drunk to bring in a proper income. Uh, his mother. We've all been there. His mother, in every source that I could find, is described as being illiterate but deeply religious, and that's how they all put her. They always. They said, all said that. Like every single thing about his mom, yeah. which I couldn't even find his parents' names. But just but you did know that she was illiterate. She was illiterate, deeply religious. And deeply religious. That's all you need to know. And his dad was. She couldn't read the Bible, but if she could have, she would have loved it. George, she would have. <laughs> she would have loved it. Uh, and AJ, which I'm going to call him AJ through a lot of this. Okay. It's just simply Andrew, Andrew Jackson. Jackson. Right, Andrew Jackson. Or Andrew Jackson Davis. Because you have to say Andrew Jackson Davis. You can't just say Andrew Jackson because that's another man. AJD. So you just say AJD. AJD. So <laughs> AJD. We got a bunch of cool acronyms for this guy. <laughs> we got MASPO. We got AP. What is his name? JRB. JRB. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Jackson And, and Davis. now uh, AJD. 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 So AJD seems to have been close to his mother as a child. Okay. Um, That was something that, uh, another thing that everybody said. And he was described as being a nervous child. He was a sickly, nervous child. Yeah, I think if I didn't have a name until I was four days old and almost died, I'd probably be nervous too. (laughs) You and know also all of all but one of your siblings is dead. Yeah, like, they probably put a lot of stock in him. They're like, "Look, little Andrew Jackson Davis, you're gonna have to be. God has put you on this earth for a very special reason." He's like shivering <laughs> from his fever that he has. And he's like, "Your sisters all died, so you could live." Well, get this: Andrew would often hear voices. Okay, <laughs> and his mother. Made sure that that he knew that this made him not crazy, 
but special. special. Yeah. And the reason she felt that he was so special and that this was such a sure sign of his specialty mm-hmm. is because she heard voices too. She had what many would call a psychic gift. Oh, I thought you were going to say schizophrenia, but... What many would call a psychic gift. A psychic gift. She claims to have had prophetic visions and dreams regularly. Again, I can't find her name, though. Like, how's that? It's uh, Maspeth. <laughs> Maspeth is actually much have, younger. Though. Did she ever have any children? Maspeth. Maspeth? Marianne Scannell Pepper Vanderbilt. Yeah, I don't think she did. That's wild. Yeah. You would have thought she would have popped out two or three other yeah. With all the mm. different dudes she's with. Yeah. Bright eyes didn't want it. <laughs> yes. She- <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't handle it. So the, the family often moved from town to town around New York before settling into Poughkeepsie in 1839. So Davis never had much schooling, uh, being called illiterate himself, and would drift from small job to small job as young as 12 years old. And uh, these jobs would consist of, like, as a grocery clerk or a farmhand, things like that. You know, things that good, proper nine-year-olds do. Right. I, I've said it a thousand times. Every nine-year-old needs to work at Walmart until the age of 13. <laughs> and then move into the factory work. You start as a chimney sweep at two. Work until you can be, like, a grocery clerk. You know, at, like, age eight. And then... That's a proper time, Then yeah. get ground up in a machine after you... And if there's anything left of you, you can pick the carrots. Right, yeah. Yeah, no disability. <laughs> Just good luck. You're, you're put out to pass. You're lucky, boy. You had them uh, weak bones that snapped off before you got drugged in the rest of the way that sewing press. <laughs> so the schooling that AJD did have was what one would call unconventional. Mm. Davis attended an experimental Quaker school in which... Quaker state? Or the oats or the the oil? Which one? Oats. Okay. All oats. Okay, good. If you want to hear more about Quakers, go check out the Quakers and Shakers episode of Rumors and Confabulation. But AJD attended this experimental Quaker school in which the children would teach themselves. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so, the young Andrew Jackson the, Davis... The young illiterate teaches themselves. <laughs> Andrew Jackson Davis, who could barely read or write, was leading his own class of peers... <laughs> He's doing so good. ...who he called later, quote, A miscellaneous band composed of about 20 snarly-haired, bad-odored, dirty-faced, ragged-dressed... Comic acting, squinting, lisping, broad mouthed, and yet somewhat promising urchins. I like the I like the end where he's like somewhat promising. <laughs> They're somewhat promising. The unwashed masses that I teach, they have some potential. I guess I reckon. <laughs> so eventually, AJ thought it would be wise to pick up his father's trade, the shoemaking trade, mm. and became an apprentice to a cobbler named Ira Armstrong in 1841. I know what you're thinking. What what am I thinking? Where's the spiritualism? Right, yes. (laughs) Where's the spirits? I'm trying to figure out why they called it cobblers. I thought that would be a cobbler eater. That's what I do. So, So sometime during the fall of 1843... 
Andrew Jackson Davis, who at this time had developed a re- reputation for being kindly and honest, okay. went to the traveling show of J. Stanley Grimes, magnetist, mesmerist, and phrenologist. <gasps> what? Remember the phrenology? I love, I'm, an, I'm an expert now. That's all I've been doing since the last <laughs> episode is learning about phrenology. <laughs> So AJ was immediately intrigued. I mean, who wouldn't be? Right, for sure. You know? And he wanted to be hypnotized by the showman. But Grimes could never get Davis to fall into a trance. No. Now, and this is something that I will say, Grady, you weren't on for these episodes. No. And I bring him up all the time. And I Edgar, hate to bring him up Edgar Casey. He, these, his background almost fits, like, if they line up almost scarily yeah. the same. Because Eric Casey had the exact same thing happen. He went to some show of a guy who was, who was a hypnotist. He couldn't be put under trance at first. Mm. Until then, once he did get put into trance, that it became... Was big time. It was, it was, yeah. A whole new realm opened up. Yeah. And that is what happened to the young, troubled Davis, who just felt like, I gotta be hypnotized, man. Everybody else is doing it. Right. I want to be hypnotized. And he just felt some sort of pull. He just felt something that's, you know, just gravitating him towards this, this going into a trance. And so he kept trying to get people from Poughkeepsie to get him into a trance. Now, before I get any further, I want to talk a bit about some of this, uh, the background here, about the environment of Poughkeepsie. Yeah. Poughkeepsie is a quaint town nicknamed the Queen of the Hudson. Is full of amateur mesmerists in 1843. Now, great, you might not know what a mesmerist is. I don't know what a mesmerist is. So, mesmerism, mesmerism, or animal magnetism, animal okay, is honestly a lot like psychometry. Okay, Uh, it is a belief that there is an invisible natural force within all living things. This force could be used to heal or afflict other effects. Now, people who practice this were called magnetizers or mesmerists, depending on which method they preferred. So, when you said magnetizer earlier, it wasn't a cool guy who played with magnets on stage? No. He, they felt that there was some sort of magnetized fluid that uh-huh. lived within each of us, which was essentially the soul that then JRB with psychometry was getting after, but he didn't really care for all of this mag- stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that was mag- a bunch stuff. of hogwash. He thought him. that was hogwash. Yeah. Now, he preferred the study of your skull shape. Skull shape. <laughs> but, so yeah, that... <laughs> you so, idiot. It's all in how your head shaped, you <laughs> moron. Not some sort of magical fluid that's in you. Let me you tell idiot. you. Mm, <laughs> yeah. The upper quadrant of your brain is not uh, properly <laughs> aligned with the buttocks, so yeah. you are stupid. And then, then Mass was like, you want to marry me? Come it's on just over so here, honey. You want to meet my friend Bright Eyes? <laughs> Come here. So, actually, you know, the word mesmerized actually comes from this, there's a guy whose last name is Mesmer, who came up with all of this theory, and that's what mesmerists are, and the word mesmerized comes from... I was mesmerized. Yeah. That's when you wild. say, I was mesmerized, you're actually referencing a early, 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 before even spiritualism was a thing, spiritualist. Huh. Who, that's cool. Yeah. So he... That's, he made an impact. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? 
Now, mesmerists, um, and it's also another thing, basically hypnotists as well. Right. So, mesmerists are trying to put people into some sort of hypnotic trance in order to try to like diagnose them or do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, get them to quit smoking cigarettes. Yeah. They still do it. <laughs> That's actually true. Yeah. They, <laughs> they do. do. They try to do that. <laughs> I guess it works for some people, but some people also do just quit. So, <laughs> I don't know. It was the big thing. <laughs> the big thing, the difference between a magnetizer and a mesmerist, um, and you know that the infighting here was just intense. Yeah. But the big difference is that magnetizers believed in this magnetic fluid and mesmerists yeah. did not. Um, this belief was actually accepted within the medical community for roughly 75 years, beginning in 1779. So this little hamlet had a lot of people thinking that they could hypnotize other people. Hmm. And, yeah, it was actually, there's a, a lot of really interesting stuff with this that it would take a, a whole episode uh, in of itself to get right. into. But even, like, um, do you know Lafayette, the French general that helped in the Amer- American Revolution? No, not really. But If you've ever watched Hamilton, he's a character in Hamilton. Oh. Yeah. That, I've, I sing the song... Uh... Uh, you'll be back in the shower often, but I've never seen the <laughs> show. Hamilton, ain't that, or is that something else? I think that's something else. You'll be back in the shower? No, I sing it in the shower. Oh. You'll, you'll be back, and I sing it in the shower. <laughs> the amazing Hamilton you'll number one. You'll be back, you know, that song. You'll you know? be back in the shower. No, you'll be back no. in the shower, you'll see. Yeah, no, and that, I sing the song, you'll be back in the shower. <laughs> well, it's Lafayette um, is a very um, influential French uh, figure who was... Um, he helped in the American Revolution, and uh, he was just honestly, he's very popular in the United States during this time, and uh, was at good friends with George Washington, among many other uh, founding fathers. And he actually believed, he was actually a mesmerist himself, and he actually got George Washington to consider mesmerism, which is pretty insane. Yeah. Is he, did they name Lafayette, Kentucky after him? Yeah. Huh. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things named after him. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, really wild that George Washington was considering uh, mesmerism. Did he ever do it? Did he ever go under? I don't think he ever – I don't think he did. Or there's no record of him doing mm. it, but maybe he did. And then uh, now Benjamin Franklin, on the other hand, because he was in France you know, a lot um, you know, because he was a uh, – why am I blanking on what the word is? You know. Someone who goes to other countries. And a dirty French lover? Is that what you're <laughs> No, he's a, uh, you know, a, uh, a delegate, you know, a... a um... Why can't I, I think I, of the I, word? I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think. <sighs> he was a um, corresponder. Uh, was he a... You know, a... Um, he would... Ambassador? Ambassador, yes. Wow, Grady, thank you. So yeah, he was an ambassador to France, Benjamin Franklin was, and he uh, thought the whole, all the stuff was, as you said, hogwash. Right, yeah. He didn't didn't buy into any of that. Mm. But now, uh, the town of Poughkeepsie, though, they were full on the train, as were many rural towns, especially in the East at this time, Uh, which I mean, early 1800s didn't extend far past the, you know, but 
barely extended into Kentucky, you know, this time. But still, most of New England, a lot of rural New England was really on this train. And that's the reason why spiritualism by the 1850s was like this huge thing because these little towns like this were just sitting here just ready for it. They were just waiting for it. So he finally found someone in December. Andrew Jackson Davis finally found someone in December of 1843 in the form of William Livingston, a local tailor who could put him under hypnotic traits. He used that as a technique to get people asleep so he could measure them properly or something. Like, like here, go to sleep. You know, he's like, now no, let me see your end scene. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, I do have to. That's one other thing I want to say though is. Um, there was a lot of studies and things around, like, with Lafayette and a lot of the French were talking about the mesmerists and all this stuff. And there's a lot of different studies and things. And one of the reasons that it didn't gain, the the mesmerist type of deal didn't gain as much traction um, eventually is because of the sexual suggestion that many of these mesmerists... What are we going to do? Anybody learn this, they can sleep with anybody. <laughs> They were really good. They were like, let's not push this. Let's any make it illegal. If I see you holding the watch in front of me, I'm going to kill you and your whole family. <laughs> so, so Livingston and Davis. Mesmerize this, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so Livingston and Davis began an immediate partnership because they found that AJ was now not only susceptible to going into a trance from where before he just couldn't be placed into a trance by a professional. Now he's not only susceptible to it, he could, he he was like the trance extraordinaire. Yeah. He could see through his and other people's bodies and even began finding health issues within others and not just issues, but he found solutions. Solutions? Davis wasn't sure where these medical diagnoses came from, but he knew that he was now on the doorstep to his destiny. Davis was also beginning to tap into the vortex of time and space. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's right. Often seeing things that would later happen, he became a prophet in the town of Poughkeepsie. Wow. Livingston believed in Davis so much that he even closed up his entire tailor shop just to work full-time with Andrew Jackson Davis. Wow. So basically what would happen is he would put them into trance and then Andrew Jackson Davis would start diagnosing people that would come in and then of course they'd pay and you know that's yeah. So the tailor would put a person in a trance yeah. and then would he also put Andrew Jackson Davis in a trance? No, he would put Andrew Jackson Davis in the trance and the other people oh. were in trance. He would oh. diagnose the the the, the awake Oh, dang. Right. Right, okay. He's cool. the one that's in trance. This is very, that is straight up Edgar Casey would do this. Yeah. Uh, about roughly 50 years later. Oh, okay. See, I thought that yeah. the Edgar Casey came before. 40 to 50 years later. So this is a forerunner. He's a complete. Andrew Jackson Davis, I will just say right now before we even get any further, might be a spoiler alert here, but he is really the father of spiritualism. Wow. He's like, there wouldn't be the spiritualist. There wouldn't be Edgar Casey. There wouldn't be uh, New Age. The mm. New Age, there wouldn't right. be any of that without Andrew Jackson Davis. Wow. Now I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to say it loud. And proud. And proud. Now, in the beginning, going into trance bothered AJ. 
Uh, he didn't like the loss of bodily control, and he had a feeling that he was falling through space. Right. But soon, Davis came to yearn for his trance state, as it would, as it would arouse pleasure to the <laughs> point of ecstasy. Oh no! No. <laughs> <laughs> During this time, <laughs> Davis, while entering into a trance state and seeing through his third eye, which he did indicate was in the center of his forehead, mm-hmm. would give medical advice yeah. such as a, this is just an example, such as a mixture of brandy and hot molasses that would induce vomit to heal a child with croup, which croup is an illness that affects the upper respiratory system and results in a barking cough. Did it work, I guess? He, he was cured. He vomited it all up. He didn't he got it out. He didn't like the brandy and all he said, I say, boy, you're going to drink this and you're going to throw up. But you're going to feel a lot better. <laughs> you can survive this. You can survive the coup. Because this is going to make it worse. i got to be honest with you. <laughs> but if you no pain, say, no gain. <laughs> here, here, here's... The Grady joke time. You want to hear the oh, joke? Okay. Lay it on. You ready? I'm ready. He, uh, a rural gentleman himself okay. was out and about. And he was, there's a young city slicker came in and he had gotten him a, a watermelon. Big watermelon. Biggest watermelon this young city slicker ever seen. He said, tell you what, buddy. Yeah, he kind of thought he'd play a little joke on him. He said, watch it. I'll tell you what, I'll give you 20 bucks. If you can eat this whole watermelon. Oh. And uh, an old Big big Jed saw this watermelon and he said, all right, well, give me one minute. So he goes out back. So here's the city fella looking at this watermelon and here goes Big Jed. About five minutes later, he comes back and Big Jed, he just proceeds to go right into this watermelon, dude. He eats every single piece of this watermelon. No time flat. Wow. Like four minutes, right? Skin and all. And uh, and the city man is just, his mind is blown by the yeah. performance that Big Jed is. It's quite has, a performance. He says, well, I got us. Here you go. Here's your $20. He's like, but I got to know, man. What were you doing behind the shed? He said, well, my daddy had a watermelon twice the size of that one. I knew if I could eat that one, I could eat this one. So stupid. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. I can't remember why that seemed like it matched, but it felt like it matched. I don't even. That's the kind of things they were up to in Poughkeepsie at this time. <laughs> so Andrew Jackson Davis, while in trance, could clearly see each individual organ through a special luminosity. Oh. Which, so basically, every single organ, he could look at this person mm-hmm. while in trance, though. Right. But he he would, you know, his third eye would awaken, and he'd yeah. be in there asleep, but he'd see your body, you know, in this weird, you know, space. Mm-hmm. And he would see you, and he could see through your body, like an x-ray, and he could see all of your organs in this, like, special they were you know shining but then if they weren't working properly they the light would be a little dim oh right yeah so he declared he all well he also declared that he could quote see things mm. past present 
And Tycoon. Oh, Tycoon. Oh, dang, dude. And I can do all that in any language known to man. <laughs> he can do all that horny. Is what, <laughs> from what we learned earlier. He is in ecstasy. Is I'll tell you what. I gotta say, it's my pleasure. <laughs> it's my pleasure. And I mean it. And I absolutely So, mean it. to demonstrate. Yeah, sorry about the cancer. Uh, <laughs> I'm feeling pretty I'm feeling good. great. <laughs> That's some brandy and molasses. (laughs) So to demonstrate, Davis located a young man long absent at sea. He's at a distance of 8,000 miles. The man had a broken leg, and he'd eventually return. And guess what? He did return. What? This young man, and he said, I was 8,000 miles away. <laughs> I was 8,000 miles away. Now, from this point on, Andrew Jackson Davis took on the almost superhero nickname of the Poughkeepsie Seer. The Poughkeepsie Seer. So, okay. He is Whenever he the made Poughkeepsie this pre- Seer. When he made this prediction that this person was 8,000 miles away mm-hmm. and would come back with a broken leg, how famous was he at this point? Not very. Not Okay, so he probably wasn't. Well... They didn't have x-rays then either, so I guess no shade on Andrew Jackson Davis, but was the likelihood of him saying, hey, buddy, why don't you tell him you're 8,000 miles away and you got a broken leg? Oh, you think you slipped him a little, a little oh, cash oh, oh, on oh, the table? Benjamin. I got a dish from the grocery clerk. <laughs> <job. laughs> Here's a little something for you. Now... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm sticking by it. Well, well now, see. how about this? Now, this okay, thing is going yeah. to turn you around, okay? Andrew Jackson Davis denier Grady. Let's let's hear some real proof. Let's hear some of this. So, March sixth, eighteen forty four, a chilly, fitful, disagreeable winter night. AJ had himself a life altering mystical experience. Having gone into a sudden semi-trance state, he was instructed by some sort of spirit that sounded like his recently deceased mother. You know, the psychic one. Yeah. The illiterate psychic. She spiritual. Said, she or said. Religious. Yeah, deeply religious. <laughs> she said, fly, fly, Andrew, fly. And Davis, before he, before he knew it. He was running through the hills of New York countryside following a vision of sheep that were just running when he found himself, next he knew it, in the Catskill Mountains, around 40 miles away from his home. Man. (laughs) Did he fly? He flew. So there he found an altar made of uh, twigs and such Mm -hmm. in a forest. Now, Davis was tired from all this running. Right. From all the running, I had done. <laughs> so, he, so he fell asleep at the foot of the altar and again saw visions of sheep. But this time there was a shepherd who he instinctively recognized as Jesus Christ. Jesus the shepherd there 40 miles away from his home? In the mountains. In the mountains. So Following the sheep, he ran into a little old man who was dressed in the style of a Quaker. The old man handed Davis a scroll, which he signed his name on. And imagine all this time, too, Davis is in this semi-trance state. So he's Mm -hmm. just like old man with a paper, just like writing his name on it, just like completely out of his mind. Imagine now for just a second. I don't want to take away from Andrew Jackson Davis or his mystical experience. But imagine that this is just some random old man who didn't have like 
very good clothes. Yeah. And he's just dressed like some old Quaker. Yeah. And he's just walking along. He's got a scroll. It could be like his, it could be a very valuable scroll that his family's like, the only good possession I have left is this scroll. And Andrew Jackson Davis comes running past and just starts signing his name all (laughs) over the scroll while his eyes are rolling in the back of his head. Just, yeah. I saw Jesus. And he's Mm -hmm. just signing it. And this poor old Quaker man's like, well, there goes my scroll. That was my. That was the the birth certificate to my <laughs> last baby boy. Oh, now I have a signature from the Poughkeepsie Seer. <laughs> Poughkeepsie Seer. Poughkeepsie Seer. You need to come up with a uh, more uh, roller off the tongue or type of Poughkeepsie Seer. Poughkeepsie Seer. So, continuing along the path now, I passed the old man. He's on a holy journey, big time now. He he really is. AJ Davis fell asleep. Again, when next he woke up, he found himself in a cemetery. I tell you what, this is like this is like on that movie Limitless. Whenever he takes too many of those brain make you smarter pills, and he starts oh. going through the yeah, he's like he took too many of mm-hmm. pills. Yeah, except he 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 meditated a little too hard. He just he, woke up in a di- in a different a place. too pleasurable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here, Andrew Jackson Davis, like I said, found himself in a cemetery. Right now, about this cemetery. Here, Andrew Jackson Davis came face-to-face with Greek physician, philosopher, and surgeon Galen. Considered to be one of the most accomplished medical minds in antiquity, he was uh, instrumental in developing thought on anatomy, neurology, and much more. Huh. Yeah. So Andrew Jackson Davis is face-to-face with him. I presume he was a dead man at this time. Very much so. Like... Well over a thousand years. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so Davis is... Davis... Sorry. So he started lecturing Davis, AJD, mm-hmm. on how to heal. And, uh, you know, just kind of was going through a whole medical, yeah. you know, crash course. And before he left the young seer, he presented to him a staff. Oh, no. A staff? So Andrew Jackson Davis takes the staff. I got it. Okay. So he met this Greek scholar in a cemetery in New York. In New York. Up in the mountains of New York. Yes, the spirits might roam, but why? I I mean, is he actually in New York, though? Oh, oh, I didn't think about that. Right. I didn't know if he... Is he in in, uh, the universe's cemetery? Right. Yeah, okay. I guess maybe he's not even in this physical realm, I, I guess. Maybe he crossed over... Maybe he tranced so hard he could go into the spirit world. A state That's of exactly. Limbo. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. I'm so. <laughs> so he met now with Swedish theologian, philosopher, and mystic Emanuel Swedenborg. Okay. So Swedenborg is actually a he's a precursor to spiritualism, hmm. uh, but most again just like Andrew Jackson Davis himself. There wouldn't be spiritualism without Swedenborg. Swedenborg right. came around, uh, I think, in the 1700s. So Swedenborg, who was a Christian fully, mm-hmm. he declared, though, that he could visit heaven and even hell. Oh. So he can converse with spirits, angels, demons. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he wants to talk to demons, but he did. Uh, he also made the claim that 1757, the year, was the year of the final judgment. Okay, all right. So we, we currently we, are living in the end of times. Oh, 
I thought we were okay. Yeah, we're no, we're we're in it. So Swedenborg informed Davis that he would become a human vessel for the perception of wisdom Mm -hmm. and would open the soul's way to harmony. By thee will a new light appear. Now, saying his goodbyes to his new ghostly pals, Andrew Jackson Davis, which I just imagine he's like, Say you fellas! I love you, fellas. You gave me a real opening for me. I gotta get back to making a shoe. <laughs> Davis attempted I'm to. I'm gonna go hang out with my tailor friend. We're gonna go. We're gonna go measure some scenes with my third eye. Well, you're gonna like this part. Okay. okay. Davis attempts to leave the cemetery, and I say attempts mm. because for some reason he didn't go through the gate. He decided to climb over the fence. <laughs> He got caught on a fence post to this otherworldly cemetery. He got caught on the fence post as he was climbing over the gate. Don't tell me he's hung there with a wedgie. He got so heated, he began (laughs) shouting, which then greatly upsets Galen, the Greek philosopher, Uh who gave him the staff. (laughs) Yeah. Upsets him so much that he goes back over while he's hung up on the fence post takes the staff from him and says, you're not worthy of this staff. You gotta learn to control your emotions, my friend. Man! (laughs) Sanger Jackson Davis is hanging there. He lost his only proof that he went to this other world. (laughs) Andrew Jackson Davis returned home after this. Dude. A little dazed... A little confused. And well, yeah. Well, who told the story? Did he he recount it once he went back under? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, he, he... People are yeah. probably like, where have you been? He's like, well, I'll tell you, let me tell you what. <laughs> I'll tell you, I've been all over these hills. And you, even... you know that one Greek philosopher feller? <laughs> gave me a staff. He took it away, but he gave it to me. He, I held it. He, I held it for a moment. Before I got hung, I got a wedgie on the fence. <laughs> he and made me screamed, <laughs> and he took it from me. That jerk. <laughs> help! Help! <laughs> <laughs> He's like, dude, what's wrong with you? <laughs> or I got—I don't know how the other guy would talk. <laughs> Do it, my fair man, calm thyself now. Thou shalt stop. I tell you. <laughs> Do not speak such foul utterances. <laughs> <laughs> so this vision quest, <laughs> my friend of the lambs. <laughs> 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 I do love this him hanging. By yeah, I think it, I think of him it's gotta just be got a big old wedgie. You know, he's hanging with his his staff and he's shaking as <laughs> wild as he can. So this vision quest unlocked an urgency within Davis mm-hmm. as he now saw himself as an oracle of divine truth. But can he claim it? Because he lost, did, he lost the staff. If anything, he should have learned that he needs more. Well, maybe he needs to grow as a person before. He well, can maybe he's a seeing it like if I start helping people, Davis. For some reason that I could never quite figure out after his vision quest and all this and all this stuff, and you know he's already now he's being called the Poughkeepsie Seer. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's getting a following. Of yeah, some he's he before before he even went on the spiritual journey to get. He's the staff, already a. He was. The Poughkeepsie's. Yeah. Some people already see him as a prophet. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, he decides to abandon William Livingston. The tailor? The tailor. He abandons him. Why'd he do that? His partner. He would be nowhere without his tailor. Well, he abandons him. 
He takes his talents out of Poughkeepsie. He takes it on the road. I guess he figures at this point that Poughkeepsie is just, it can only do so much to really uncover the divine truth right. and to spread the divine truth. He must travel to other places. Well, he can travel anywhere he wants to in his mind, even the the forbidden the graveyard <laughs> of the afterlife or whatever the frick. Well, he gets he makes his way to Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> he makes it far. Same thing, as some people say. <laughs> so in Bridgeport, Connecticut, AJ made a botanic doctor. So, yeah. you know, a botanist uh, by the name of S. Silas Lyon. I gotta say, Silas is a good name. Yeah. For somebody who's gonna put you under, Silas. Yeah, Silas is a good is he is he one. gonna be the, the so, hypnotizer? Well, Davis took him in to become his new mesmerist. Mesmer, yeah, yeah. mesmerist. Call Sorry. It what it is, mesmerist. I mean, you could call him hypnotist. Yeah, let's call him mesmerist. Mesmerist. And don't you dare call him a magnetizer. Don't you. Don't you dare. dare. They ain't got that liquid in them. They got. <laughs> they got. What was the difference? Psychometry. Yeah, no. it's kind of they're, they're kind of psychometry. They're honestly, he's kind of a psychometer. What's the name of the whole skull thing again? Phrenology. So that has nothing to do with any of this. I mean, yes and no. I mean, not really, okay. but they're also like... Like that dude, the showman guy. Yeah. He was a mesmerist and a phrenologist. phrenologist. Okay. So this new duo moved to New York City and opened up a healing clinic for the Poughkeepsie Seer. After three months... and I mean, they're now in New York City. Now they're, you know, they're... They're in the Big Apple, mm-hmm. the future home of Masper. Right, the, exactly. The pair, after three months, the pair became a threesome as they were joined by universalists. Which, do you know what a universalist is? No. Okay, so universalists. We talked about it a little bit uh, before you on, on the podcast with the John Murray Spear and the Godlike mm-hmm. Machine episode. Mm-hmm. Which actually I'm going to bring back up later on in this episode. Okay. But, John's favorite episode. Good call. So, John Murray Spear um, was a universalist before he became a spiritualist. Mm-hmm. A universalist uh, was a popular, at this time, uh, form of just like a, kind of like a denomination, uh, where they, it just typically means that all, they they felt that all people are bound to the same fundamental truths, and that for Christians, Christian universalists, because I guess you didn't have to be a Christian universalist necessarily, but for Christian universalists, they basically thought that all souls eventually, one way or the other, will come back to Christ. Okay. So eventually, you might resist and you might, and they believe in, they would, I don't think they really did it this time because those kind of thoughts weren't really prevailing very much, but uh, to be a, like, to believe in reincarnation as a universalist is not, like, weird. Right. Because that would just be, like, another chance for then your soul to... For you to become a Christian, yeah. and to you know, give your you life over. Yeah, sounds nice. So that's universalists are very honestly. If you have an issue with the universalists, I'm a little confused because it's like they're very optimistic. They're the right. most optimistic uh, group of people I, I, I can think of. But now, if you're not a Christian universalist, I suppose you're more of just like there are there are foundational truths that just purvey over every time period, every person, no matter what, and it's just some of these things. And a lot of them, these spiritualists are that. So so they found themselves a universalist minister named Reverend Will- William Fishbaugh, 
who he would act as a scribe. This is something that he didn't have when with William Livingston. So the scribe, his job as scribe is he would write everything that uh, Andrew Jackson Davis would say. Mm. So Lion would put him into, into trance. Then Fishball would write. This is a daggone three person job at this point. It's, it's very extensive. Now, with this trio, uh, which by the way, the two new guys also, just like Livingston, had quit their actual jobs right. in order to do this. Yeah. With Davis. They officially got to work in November he of 1845. Had the Taylor man, like, write down what he was saying. It was just too much of a sore subject, much, yeah. wasn't it? I guess. Mm. I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't know what happened there. There must really have been don't a fall know There had to have been something that happened. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it was a take me higher situation. Like, you just can't put me under like you used to. I'm going to have to go Just here. not as pleasurable. Yeah, just not. <laughs> I just don't get that good feeling anymore. It makes me not even want to do it. But now, si- Silas here, he's got the magic touch. <laughs> <laughs> so, in, so in 1845... In their apartment that they all rented out, Lion would hypnotize a blindfolded Davis, who after... And th- this is the process, okay? Yeah, after, I don't know what, yeah. how this all This is down. the process. So after three to four minutes, Davis would go into convuls- convulsive shock. Then he would become motionless for another five or so minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So he, where's the pleasure come in? Is is it during the? Convulsion? I think we all know. Oh, <laughs> then he's got five minutes of cooldown, <laughs> at which point he would become rigid and cold. Okay. And right. his breath would become shallow. Okay. All right. After all of this, Davis would then begin dictating short bursts of speech, in which Fishball would write this whatever he said down. Right. These sessions which ranged in topics, uh, depending on the day, would last around 40 minutes to four hours, also depending on the day, and would typically produce five pages of dialogue. Hmm. So Fishball would write about five pages every, a day. Wow. Now, Davis was welcome to spectators during these trances, because right now he's also not really necessarily... He's delving more, like, when he was in Poughkeepsie, he was, like, diagnosing people and things like that. And, like, having people come in, you know, and he was like, oh, your organs, you know. Mm-hmm. Now he's more of, like, tapping into more of, like, the other the other realm cemetery. He's trying yeah. to, like, he's moved even higher into this yeah. new realm that he's trying to explore, okay? <laughs> so Davis was, again, like I said, he, he enjoyed spectators to come. And he housed someone we brought up last podcast, Edgar Allan Poe. What? The famous Edgar Allan Poe. On several occasions, Poe would see Andrew Jackson Davis go into trance. Now, Poe uh, was, who was actually, you know, factually, he was fascinated by mesmerism right. himself. Um he often used it in in some of the stories, uh, such as the facts in the case of M. Valdemar. Mm-hmm. Um, now, for some reason, though, I don't know why, considering that he saw Andrew Jackson Davis do all this, Poe took a stance on Davis that could really only be seen as, like, mocking. Mm-hmm. Because in, no. one, in one of Poe's last short stories, uh, Mel- Melanta Tauta, 
Poe opens the story with a satirical letter that called the sto- <laughs> called the story a quote a translation by my friend Martin Van Buren Mavis, mm-hmm. sometimes called the Tuckitsee Seer. <laughs> Which is actually very clever because Martin Van Buren was Andrew Jackson's vice president. Oh, okay. So you see what he did That's there with funny. the, the yeah, name did there. Yeah. So Martin Van Buren Mavis instead of yeah. Andrew Jackson Davis. Yeah. yeah. yeah pretty, That's pretty fun. We all know who he's talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. It's it's so obvious. Yeah. But it's fun. Right. But also he's like that does not seem like he is like saying, I like this guy. Right. Because it seems like he's kind of making fun of them. Right. Unless they were just good buddies. <laughs> maybe they were just good pals. Good pals. Maybe he's, maybe he's giving... You give a little ribbon. Yeah. Yay, hey, hey, hey. So one supporter now of Andrew Jackson Davis, who attended several seance... Mm-hmm. Sorry. They didn't do seance. Nope. Several trance sessions was yeah. n- none other than... All right, now are you ready for this? Yeah, I am ready. I'm ready to hear George Bush. George, what the? <laughs> Not the George He's... Bush, <laughs> but he is. There's going to be twin towers. All right, you're going to want to see him. <laughs> hey, you you fooled me once. <laughs> yeah, fooled me again. <laughs> How's that, Coco? Um, you know what? Yeah, fooled me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice. You never do it again. Fool me three times. <laughs> Now that's on you again. <laughs> have you never, have you ever seen George W. Bush? His that when he does that, mm-hmm. he tries to do that. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, and he and he, met, he butchers, and he goes, that. fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, never do it again. Ah, uh, that's funny. <laughs> he's like, I saw a video. He's a painter. Yeah, he's the most <laughs> hated painter in the world. Yeah. Some say. Anyways, so it we're not talking about that George Bush or you know his father. George Bush. No, he's going to be that George Bush in my mind well, at this point. Well, we are talking about the same family. Oh, really? We are talking about the same family. From the same lineage. Dr. George Bush. He's like what? The George ancestor of... Fourth greatest? I think he's actually um, a distant, like, I don't know if you would call it a great, great, great uncle, mm-hmm. but I think he's the brother of the line that eventually went to George yeah. Bush and then W. Bush. Wow. So Amazing. I don't know what that makes him exactly. Right? Yeah. But um, he was a professor of Hebrew at New York University. And now he boldly stated to the New York Tribune, I can solemnly affirm that I have heard him correctly quote the Hebrew language, Andrew Jackson Davis, huh. in his lectures and display a knowledge of geology which would have been astonishing in a person of his age, even if he had devoted years to the study. Wow. Because that, that's something, actually, I guess we, we should say, because I haven't really, like, uh, you know, just kind of tossing out years without, like, putting it into context. 1845 is when he's doing all this stuff. He was born right. in 1826. Yeah. Right. So he's 19. 26. Oh, 19? Yeah, my math ain't very good. No, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. It's he's 19. Yeah. When and he he's, started up, when okay. he's in New York City with See, these two guys that have completely dedicated their whole now you know careers are they to him. Are they adult people? Yeah, they they're older are? than him. Wow. As was William Levinson. 
<laughs> okay, so that kind of makes the whole him going to another realm cemetery a little yeah. bit funnier, I guess. Yeah, he's like 18 doing that. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> I was just picturing like a 40-year-old dude getting hung up on it by his underwear. No. Okay. He's probably a little skinny fella, ain't he? I just yeah. get the yeah. He's this little yeah. like. Hold on, let me pull up a picture of him. Oh yeah, please. I would love to know what. Oh, he actually looks very just like a, a such a normal like guy. Like you could see him today. Yeah. Well, maybe he is alive today <laughs> through what is it universalism or something. So this was him as a young man. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah he's a handsome young fella. And I guess, then um, here he is. Like in his middle age. Okay. All right. Right. Cool. Yeah. Pretty cool look, right? Pretty cool look. And here I've he is a as an hipster. old man. That's a cool looking old man, is, right? Yeah. The, he had kind of the hipster thing going on there in his middle age. Yeah. Now, I've seen that guy at the coffee shops before. <laughs> Talking about I love the Edgar blown out hair. He says uh, Edgar Allan Poe's his favorite author as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> during the... 157 visions that he had in this low-rent Manhattan apartment. Davis would see angels, the afterlife, realms such as heaven, other planets, okay, and even extraterrestrial beings from Saturn and Jupiter. Huh. Now, again, this is in the 1840s. Wow. And he's talking about... Wow extraterrestrial beings. All of this was dutifully recorded for the purpose of creating an all-encompassing book that would detail the spiritual machinations of the entire (laughs) universe. Okay. This book, which John Murray Spear, our boy, the Uh godlike machine creator, called the most wonderful work ever made by mortal man, was titled The Principles of Nature, Her Divine Revelations, and a voice to mankind. Wow. It hit the shelves in 1847, so he's a fresh 21 years old. And it hits clocks in at 800 pages. Wait a second. So, what point did he not become illiterate? Or was he never not illiterate? So, that's a, there's a lot of contention on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, some people... Because he never had the schooling. He never did. Right. That's like we know that. But... It's not known, though, if he had developed just like he could. Because the thing is, he wrote an autobiography. And mm-hmm. a lot of information about his early life comes from that autobiography. And he really pushes that. He wants that narrative of him being illiterate and to be like the central country bumpkin yeah. that just taps into the divine revelations. Right. He wants that narrative. He likes that narrative. So is he saying that they taught him how to read the... So he is saying that all of these things... Is it, that's even more... See, because he wants that narrative to be in place because to him, he's saying that's even more proof that mm-hmm. these are things that are coming to me by another, other spirits or by you know other means because... I am just a simple guy. I don't know. I don't know I'm none of this stuff. I'm just a boy. I don't know how to read. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Jackson Davis. Wearing a light from the small monstrosity. <laughs> I got hung on a fence and then had the <laughs> Who are you? Now the, now, the other thing, a lot of people also think um, they had this same thought about Edgar Casey because Edgar right. Casey was also called illiterate yeah. as well. And uh, your case, he definitely wasn't illiterate, but he also was definitely 
um, and he was from a tiny town in Kentucky that mm-hmm. just a dirt floor school, you know, type, right. of, type of deal. Um, but he definitely wasn't illiterate, but he also wasn't like, you know, the most educated man in the world. Something they said about both of them is that they both could have had, which is would be weird for both of these men to have this, but they both could have had um, a condition in which they have essentially like a photographic memory. Oh, and so whenever they see like a text, they're more of just regurgitating what's on there instead of yeah. actually like fully understanding it. You know, they're yeah. not reading it like a normal person would. They just like look at a page on a book and then they're like, they remember that page. And then they can read back to you what's on that page. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wish I was like that. <laughs> well, the reason a lot of people feel that way too is because a lot of things that Swedenborg guy that I mentioned before, mm-hmm. a lot of the things that are in this book really seem to some people accuse him of plagiarism of Swedenborg. Uh, right. That he was just reciting yeah. the stuff that Swedenborg said. Um it's also everybody agrees that the book's not the it's not the most well written book now. What? Be, it's what? like it's very confusing. Yeah. Very just... Almost like, as if there was separate pages from other books randomly put into <laughs> another. <laughs> well, again, John Murray Spear called it the most right. fascinating yeah, you're right, you're right. Now, uh, the book opens okay. with, in the beginning, okay. the univerculum was one boundless, undefinable, and unimaginable ocean of liquid fire. Okay, alright. <laughs> That's how it opens. Okay. Um, so Andrew Jackson Davis was really turning heads at this point. Right. Because most for people sure. For sure. you know, in America in 1847, they had never heard anything like this. Right. And the ones that had heard things like this, they're like, this is becoming like, wow, this is yeah. really opening. It's all making sense now. Yeah. I, I knew it. I knew. Yeah. In the beginning, there was a giant liquid fire. See, that's something that uh, that... Swedenborg before him, and now Andrew mm-hmm. Jackson Davis. He was a Christian, yeah, himself fully. Like he, he, you know, he, like he followed Jesus Christ, like with yeah. any of his prophetic dreams. But he um, did not think that the accepted creation stories and things like that that are given to us in the Bible mm-hmm. were factual. Yeah, he felt that um, because of the different, you know, just man, you know, touching getting their hands all into the different stories that they had fumbled it up and mm. that the actual truth behind a lot of these sayings is what he's tapping into. Ooh, he's yeah. Only I know the truth. Yeah. Only I know the truth. A lot of you stuff that find out. J.R.B. was doing too towards right. the end of his life. Yeah. And he was all of a sudden like, I'm talking to Confucius. <laughs> <laughs> So he started now at this point though, he actually he was gaining true followers and believers right. now, like really like hardcore. And he continued his trans uh, sessions and lectures as well as writing many, many books. Uh, he would never write another book while under trance in the way that he did the principles of nature. Mm. But he would go on to release throughout his lifetime more than thirty full length books. Yeah. Wow. Pretty good for a literate guy. Wow. So, well, he's got somebody. Just, <laughs> he's like, is he is he transcribing all these? So he's transcribing that one. He oh. transwrote the oh. other ones. He he's not the other oh. books. He actually just writes. Okay. Well, yeah. if he's transcribing, then for sure the first one would have. He yeah. didn't write it. Right. 
No. Right? No, it's actually, it's funny. That one says the principles of nature and all that stuff. Writ- written by, you know, that where you normally mm-hmm. an author, it says like, written as told to Andrew mm-hmm. Jackson Davis or mm-hmm. something like yeah. that where it's like, it makes it this open into like, well, who's, yeah. where's it coming from? You know, uh-huh. oh, the spirits. Yeah. You know, yeah. so Davis, uh, in these texts and on the lecture circuit, which mm-hmm. he starts to, you know, do the lecture circuit because we all got to do it. You right. know, all the, yeah. All the spiritual stuff. You to go on the late night in the day. You got to do it. Yeah. Which actually, if you want to, this is kind of a side note, but, um, if you want to check out, uh, audience to Grady, but if you want to check out a pretty good example of like a fictionalized version of something like this, just kind of, just to kind of like, I was re- watching this brand new show on Netflix, The Cabinet of Curiosities. Uh huh. And the episode, uh, Dreams in the Witch House, it's towards the very beginning of the episode, so you only have to watch, like, just mm-hmm. a few minutes of it. They have a, a scene of them at a public uh, seance. Okay. Yeah. And it's very much like, that is the vibe right. of, like, all the spiritualists. When I say that they're going to the lecture circuit, when I say that they're speaking out, to, that's a very good, like, modern, like, just, it's I mean, it's set in that time period, but it's right. a very good, like, visualization yeah. of what I'm talking about. So, that's just a you know, little recommendation. <laughs> so hope, hope they didn't bet too much on the over-under. <laughs> <laughs> that was a callback. That was a callback. <laughs> so, during these, you know, all these talks and stuff, he started talking about the Summerland, mm-hmm. which essentially became the spiritualist term for heaven. Okay. We call it the summer. Let me go to that sweet summer land when <laughs> yeah. I die. And maybe we'll talk about it one day, but there's like a commune called the summer land. I'm going to the Big Rock King Mountain. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I don't know about you. I'm going to the Big Rock King Mountain. <laughs> Never have changed shocks there. <laughs> now, the great thing, the actual not ironic or not like me being like sarcastic, yeah. the great actual good thing about Andrew Jackson Davis. Is that his ideal heaven, his Summerland, was his not summer uh, divisive. Mm-hmm. Davis preached, actively preached, that you should welcome all humans in every form, uh, all, you know, just in every man, woman, yeah, all races, you know, you should just welcome every single person as they are. And, uh, you know, for being, doing all this, or, you know, the decade prior mm-hmm. to the Civil War, you know, yeah. and leading up into the Civil War, I think that's... Speaks a lot. Right. You know, yeah. I think that should be commended. Like, good job. Good on you. Oh, so he... So he wasn't even a racist and he was named after... Yeah, he was named after quite the racist, but he, hmm. he himself... Not all Andrew Jacksons are all bad? Most of them. Well, we're 50-50 right we're now. We're 50-50. <laughs> well, I don't know if you can... What's the count, phone? I don't know if you can count this guy as all good either. <laughs> yeah. He's better, though. Yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> so, Davis... Um, was highly talked about, not just because of his controversial teachings, but also because of his personal controversies. Now, ooh, that's a, he ooh, does have personal controversies. Ooh. He's putting young women in a trance? Well, this soon began after his star took off, okay? Because his star <laughs> took off after this book. Yeah. This book actually sold really well. Right. So, A.J. Davis, while in New York. You ready for this? I'm ready had counseled a Mrs. Catherine Dodge, a wealthy heiress who was 20 years his senior from Bristol, Rhode Island. 
Davis apparently cured uh, this ailment that she had. So she had something going on with her, and Davis cured her. Mm -hmm. But she took a fondness to Mr. Davis. Now, she paid for all publication expenses on the principles of nature. (laughs) Okay. Dang, she was loaded. Wow. Catherine, and she's married, by the way. I uh-huh. stress on the missus part. Yeah. She's married. Catherine wanted to pay now mm-hmm. for an apartment for Andrew Jackson Davis mm-hmm. in Massachusetts. Yeah. Is that where she's from? She's from Rhode Island, but yeah, she okay. wants them to be in Massachusetts. Like a nice midway point, yeah. But the young man would not let her do that. Right. He did, however, relent to letting her mm-hmm. pay for a room for him for him at the estate of Miss Minister Samuel. Byron Britain, mm-hmm. who's in Connecticut. Okay. Okay. Soon, Catherine paid the minister and Mr. Davis a visit, and she forced the minister to grant her the room that was next to Davis. The Britain's maid found out the next morning that she, in fact, spent the night in the room next to hers. The one with Andrew Jackson Davis inside. They were both forcibly removed from the oh. home by the minister. They were in... Oh, my. Yeah, they're the minister's home. In the minister's home. But now, before you get too too okay. far in your judgments... This I'm not was judging no, yet. This was no, no just passing fancy. Right. Catherine actually got, and this is speaks to her influence here and how uh-huh. wealthy she is. She got the Rhode Island legislature, the actual state legislature, uh-huh. to enact a divorce filing. She got them to like sign into some sort of law that got her some kind of loophole out of her marriage. Wow. wow. Yeah. So she got out of her marriage with her husband. So her and AJD yeah. could get hitched in July of 1848. Wow, they done sealed the deal. So now she's sick with something. Oh. And he's supposed to have cured her. Yeah, he's, but trying, she's, she's trying to get that free. But now um, he is, what, 22 years old when they get married? Yeah. And she's, yeah. she's 42. Hmm, okay. Was she good looking? I don't know. I never got a picture of her. Mm-hmm. So he now, was a, it seemed like he was a good-looking guy. So good-looking fellow. But now, but she had a lot of money. She's sick though, like. too. And she's an heiress. She's got. She's loaded. Loaded. So that might have been, you know, pretty big. You know, she's loaded. She's really wants to be with him. So yeah, she does. Yeah. Now, so, put a pin on that. Okay. That relationship, but yeah. that was a controversy, which yeah. did see him. I think actually he lost Fishball, the uh, minister scribe. I think yeah. he lost him after the controversy. Why? Well, yeah, I mean. Yeah. And, um, well, I'll get some. So, the same year as his marriage, Andrew Jackson Davis wrote in his diary on March 31st that when he awoke that morning, March 31st of 1848, that he felt a warm breath on his face and a strong voice that told him that the good work had begun. A living demonstration was born. March 31st, 1848 is widely considered the true birth of modern spiritualism as this is the day that I've referenced it already in our last two episodes. The Fox Sisters began their famous table-tipping seances. Ooh, 
Really? Hmm. And so AJD was he's woken right. up. He's woken up. A living demonstration. A living de- and so what is it? So, so he was alive during the was it Maspuff? He's alive during JRB. 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 He's okay. writing about psychometry at the exact same time that right. the principles of nature is coming out. Okay, like they are working. Yeah. In the eighteen forties, yeah, is when they were both doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so also during this time, Davis and his trance partners. Uh, this is actually yeah prior to the the marital controversy. Right. So Fishbaugh's still in on this. They pu- start publishing a newspaper which they called the Univerculum. Yeah, which supposedly emphasized the apocalypse, but promised a new and more perfect era still to come. Davis, for a short time, actually had a burgeoning cult. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Called the Harmonialists. Wow. Every spiritualist <laughs> wants their own yeah. cult. But he actually didn't. He didn't? This, this actually cult was born yeah. around him, but without yeah. him. I don't want a cult. Well, no, seriously. They they wanted him mm-hmm. to take on this like new messiah role. Yeah. To be like, you know, the living prophet that is telling of all these things and he was actually like guys this is too much for me like i'm just a i'm just a vessel i'm just a poor boy and everybody loves me yeah 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 (laughs) now um they so they they disbanded that cult didn't last for too long they disbanded eventually pretty quickly they weren't true followers while while he was still going on but they disbanded yeah because uh you know he just wouldn't take the role that they wanted him to take they needed a leader. You know, there's they no cult without a leader. A leader. They needed a hero. He didn't, he didn't give them, you know, like a, a good... He didn't give them a good wardrobe. And he also, wear, like, he stopped doing the newspaper, yeah. which is what they were like kind of going yeah. off. Oh, he stopped doing the newspaper yeah. after only two years. Wow, that was a short run. Yeah, short run. And part of that is because Fishbaugh dropped out. The, the, the minister? Yeah, the minister. Because the minister dropped out. Oh, was I the scribe. Yeah. You know, and everything like that. So, oh, wait a second. He was the one who wrote? He's the one who actually wrote the principles of nature, but it was oh, based see, off of I, what I didn't make, Andrew Jackson Davis. I didn't Davis make those connections. Yeah, that's but it was hmm. what he was saying. He was just writing down what Andrew Jackson Davis mm-hmm. was saying. Yeah, but he's the one who technically actually put pen to paper. So here you go, guys. Fornication can ruin a good thing for you sometimes. Yeah. He did make a lot of money from it, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Too, isn't it? So in 1850, Davis investigated the poltergeist phenomena, which. We discussed on this podcast last, last Halloween, Halloween the Stratford knockings. I don't know if I've heard that episode. Yeah. Last Halloween episode, we did. Uh, we talked about the Stratford knockings, the home of Reverend Phelps. Mm-hmm. A series of poltergeist happenings it happened in his mansion, including clothing being torn to shreds, books being destroyed, a young boy named Harry being slung around like a rag doll, <laughs> and even yeah. potatoes falling from the ceiling and turnips with hieroglyphics. Popping up out of nowhere. So they're Irish ghosts. Ye taters. <laughs> oh, potato. I was like, why would the hieroglyphic turnips? <laughs> no. They're turnips. Um, I bet Irish people like turnips as well. I don't know that, but I, I bet they do. I bet they do, too. So the family clearly needed help, and they yeah. enlisted the help of Andrew Jackson Davis. And Andrew Jackson Davis concluded that everything was being produced by electrical discharges emanating from the young boy, Harry. Oh, so... Harry is a he has a, a psychometer. <laughs> psychometer, yeah. There you go. Huh. So he said 
Young Harry frequently failed to discriminate during certain moments of mental Mm. agitation Mm. between the sounds and effects in which he himself made and those sounds which were produced by spiritual presence. Mm. As you can see from this, though, too, he really starts to get the vocabulary and the cadence of one of these spiritualists. Yeah. Is he hanging out with a lot of them? Of course. Yeah, okay. He's part of, you know, he starts getting into the spiritualist society. Right, yeah. Like they, they, man, if there's something about spiritualists or even ufologists, you know, people into UFO, they got to get together and they're mm-hmm. conventions. They got to talk it out. Yeah. They right. just have to. That's, yeah. a, that's a key component. Hey, when you're pretending to be a dead person, what do you say? <laughs> First so, of all, I start off with going, oh, no. Yeah. They're like, interesting. Okay. okay. Let me write that, write that down. <laughs> yeah, I still can't read. I tell him. I tell him I can't read now, but I... Shoot, I don't even know where I'm at. <laughs> I've never known where I was since that <laughs> trance back in the mountains. <laughs> Ever since I got hung up on a fence and thought I was in the afterlife. I mean, honestly, I, I don't even know where I'm at right now. <laughs> I close my eyes too long. I'm still hanging by my britches out there. <laughs> I did hold the staff too. That That's was real. No one's downing you in the staff. I do. Staff is real. <laughs> staff was real. I've said a lot of lies, but that staff was real. Oh, by the way, you know the um, autobiography I mentioned earlier? Mm-hmm. It was called The Magic Staff. <gasps> what? Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Oh my God. It's the magic staff. It's right here. Isaac didn't say this, but he got this given to him in a dream. <laughs> yeah, I've, I have, I now bestowed upon Grady. He gave it to me in a dream as well. <laughs> That's the only way that this works is the staff has to be transported through space and time. You cannot simply hand it to somebody else. <laughs> that no. He didn't get caught on a fence post. No. Was, basically, I, that's what happened. I'm very good back. When we went to the cemetery, mm-hmm. he yeah. didn't get caught on the fence post. Yeah. Yeah, we've been to cemetery in two separate videos now. Maybe that's our staple is we always end up in a cemetery in all of our next videos. Time, next time we do a cemetery, I need to... Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. We gotta bring the staff. Yeah, we'll bring it. Who knows who we'll contact then. This feel a little magic. Well, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> that is also the stick that moves uh, during our oh, Halloween yeah, episode. I forgot. In the middle of us recording. Uh, yeah, that was a little spooky. Yeah. So, unfortunately, oh, here comes some sad news. You want some sad news? I do want sad news. I was so, thinking this whole time, I was like, man, this, this is, is too happy. This is too happy. So, unfortunately, his marriage to Catherine what? did not last long. Oh, what? She passed away in 1853. A love that only would end from death, some would say. With this undisclosed illness that he supposedly was supposed to have cured her from. (laughs) And she did leave him her vast wealth. So, he was like, come on, babe, if you get with me, I can can heal you for free. And she's like, okay, I guess. You you sure about this? He's like, yeah. And then he's like, then he... I've seen your organs. They're going to fail. Don't worry, you're done, babe. (laughs) Well, I've done all I can do. Now, what's your pen number? (laughs) (laughs) So, now, apparently, 
Davis would sometimes continue speaking with Catherine for years after her death. Uh, she picked up the name Silonia in the afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why Davis would continue to call her as a Silonia. Catherine is kind of a not a very good afterlife name. Silonia! That's how I imagine it. Silonia now resides on the planet Jupiter. <laughs> Girls go to Jupiter to get more mm, afterlifey. Boys go to college to get more knowledge. <laughs> so Davis would remarry only one year later. Okay. To a well, yeah. uh, Mary Robinson. How who was she? She was like uh, basically the same age as Davis. Okay. Yeah, Andrew Jackson Davis. So she, yeah, she's. She also was married when she first met Andrew Jackson mm-hmm. Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little homewrecker, I guess. <laughs> he is. Uh, now, while not being the exact model, yeah, man, uh, he did have his limitations, and that is where I will once again bring up John Murray Spear of the yeah. Godlike Machine, mm. because in the 1850s, John Murray Spear started acting like a lunatic. And Andrew Jackson Davis, they were friends now. Andrew Jackson Davis and John Murray Spear had become friends because John yeah. Murray Spear was like, even though Andrew Jackson Davis was much younger yeah. than Spear, Spear saw Davis as his like spiritual mentor in a way. Oh. And um, so they became, they began a correspondence and they kind of saw eye to eye on a lot of things. And yeah. Andrew Jackson Davis said things like, he is... Uh, like, he actually told him, you're really getting on the cusp of something great here if you just keep going, keep pushing the envelope a little mm-hmm. bit, keep talking to these spirits, keep doing what you're doing, you're on something great. Yeah. Then, though, things took a turn for the worse, and uh, Andrew Jackson Davis would say this about spirit. He said that he suffered from the terrible misfortune misfortune of being easily imposed upon by his own impulses. He mistakes them, being the uh, spirits that talk about, at least two-thirds of the time for impressions from higher intelligences. Mm. So basically, he, what Andrew Jackson Davis is saying, John Murray Spear, is that uh, he has started putting his own impulses and thoughts Mm. as being divine revelations. Right. He's not like so, in other words, he's getting lost in the sauce. He's getting lost in it. And if you remember from the Godlike Machine episode that we did, um, it resulted in... It got really kind of quite freaky quite fast. Uh-huh. He kind of got a cult going. John yeah. Murray Spear did. Uh, centered around this Godlike Machine. They were creating the machine. And to energize the machine, John Murray Spear was having sex with a woman on top of the machine. Okay. All right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, of course. Yeah. You know, that's... Had to be done, I would assume. Um, the only way. <laughs> so when Andrew Jackson Davis saw this, because he went to visit this little this little community that John Murray Spear created, he was like, I'm going to go visit my friend. He went and saw this, and he was horrified. He was like, this oh, yeah. is freaking yeah. weird. Yeah. You, you're off the rocker, man. He's like, I I liked you before, but yeah. I got to say, I'm going to go. Look, bud. <laughs> I don't know what higher power is telling you to do that, but it ain't a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that is where, to again, Andrew Jackson Davis, I do have to give him a little, like, yeah. he's not as, um, he does have his, you know, the whole thing with the married women is yeah. a little concerning. It, it seems like a lot of these guys have, uh, it's like a, a medium for them to just delve into depravity 
A little oh, bit. Oh, you know, it's like... But I do think he's nicer than yeah, most yeah, of the people. Like, and I do think he's, <laughs> um, like, I, I think I, I would put him... I don't know, maybe it's the way he presents himself right. or something. Because I would instantly think of him as being, like, better yeah. than Masp of, let's right. say. Even though yeah. they did the exact same thing. Right. Where she took some... I just thought, think that hers was even more... Because he could have been in love with this woman. Yeah, that he got mm-hmm. her, you know just happened to inherit her wealth. Right, he could have been in love with her. I mean, it's possible. It's not. Out of yeah, the I don't think it was as much like because she was forty two. Right, and I don't know. He, he was young. He was yeah, you know, twenty. Mm-hmm. I, I I just have a harder time seeing him being like as calculating as I feel like Marion Skinner right. was. Yeah, no, I agree. I, that's what. Yeah, he didn't. As far as him, you know, it doesn't seem like he's. Going at whatever he's doing with 100% like bad intentions from the start, yeah, you know, yeah, as opposed to maybe some of the other fellows. I think Andrew Jackson using this is uh-huh. actually crazy. Like, I, yeah, I think he actually he believe fully believes what he's right. putting out, yeah. Whereas I don't know that Marion's gonna put, I don't think she actually yeah. believes it. Hers was like a, a, a for women, it's it's a ploy to get money, for men, it's a ploy to, to have schmecks with women. <laughs> this is. This is always this is always what uh, you know. I will say. John Murray Spear definitely he now he was having sex in his cult, but he also fully believed he had gone full crazy. Yeah, he had pushed it. Yeah, to the but he got lost in the sauce. Yeah. Now Andrew Jackson Easy Davis to continued to be uh, possibly the most prominent spiritualist in the country, mm-hmm. and by 1858. He's he the was, Joe Rogan of the spiritualist dude, movement. He really for sure. was. He really was. Because you say this about Joe, you know, he's not super radical either way. So he's not like the radical spiritualists mm-hmm. are going. I mean, yeah, he's not a super crazy radical conservative. He's not a super crazy radical. Crazy yeah, radical. He's liberal not, either. Sort of, but then he does also push a lot of phony medical advice. Some people. He's in the middle. He's, yeah. in he's more in the middle. Oh no! I we used to would have thought that more. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, my views yeah. of him have. Uh, yeah. I mean, I could see that it. It's really the COVID thing. Yeah. The ivermectin thing. The ivermectin. Yeah. That re- that's really what did it for me. I got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That really. Um, that really. Yeah. That sold it for you. That sold it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's trying to make some money. You think so? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so Andrew Jackson Davis, um, <laughs> Davis, <laughs> so Andrew Jackson Davis <laughs> continued to possibly be the most prominent spiritualist in the country. Mm-hmm. And by 1858, he was speaking at conventions in front of thousands. Ooh, Davis that's was huge. Yeah. Thousands. That's 1858? I guess they had microphones back then, did they? No, 1858, no. They have a big old tube that they mm-hmm. screen through? <laughs> <laughs> I am single little boy. This is why uh, amphitheaters yeah. are designed the way they are. <laughs> Wait, yeah. How do you how do you tell the 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 person you're channeling to speak up? It's like I'm gonna have to speak up. You're speaking in front of an audience. Like I'm single. Uh, I'm in a cemetery right now. <laughs> <laughs> so Davis was by this point. Known for his quote prophetic air Ooh. about him, he just carried himself with yeah. this prophetic air, which mm. is pretty cool. And typically wore a black skull cap. That's cool. That guy. That was cool. his style. That's cool. 
And How old is he at this point, you think? 1858. So he is uh, 32. Ooh, the, Jesus's age. So he's, he's kind of yeah. worked into... Yeah, he's in his prime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, you know, he's just... He's right strutting here. his stuff. He's mm-hmm. prophetic. You yeah. Know? He's, he knows what he's about. Now, he at one particular meeting, uh, he is... Before a crowd of at least 3,000, he declared spiritualism as, quote, a beautiful operations and legitimate developments of man's spiritual constitution. My belief in spiritualism is simply the door to my acceptance of the various reforms for which this convention has assembled. And I trust that to you all, spiritualism is a broad and glorious triumphant archway, leading in all directions into freedom and a universal enjoyment of a Heaven in the world. See, I'm writing it down as he's channeling that, which he's probably just speaking. But I'm he's still pretending to. I'm still <laughs> You're like, mm, good. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so Jackson Davis continued to blow the minds of spiritualists everywhere. So Through have your mind blown. He was really doing it. Yes. Among his many texts, Davis wrote an autobiography, like I mentioned before, called The Magic Staff, mm-hmm. which, uh, while he was only 31, which is a weird age to write an autobiography. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> he also, he did write a sequel. Oh. Autobiography. A sequel? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, but he, some of his other books that he wrote were um, The Great Harmonia. Mm-hmm. The philosophy of special providences and the penetralia being harmonial answers to important questions, mm. which supposedly predicted the development of the automobile, typewriter, and many other modern technologies. Now, AAP, what was his name? J, JRB, JRB predicted, predicted the flight. flight yeah. Okay. Great minds. You think he was like, all right, you predict a flight, I'm going to pick the, the automobile. Hey, you think people are going to go up in the air? You do. You think I think people up? are going to go vroom, vroom. I think they're going to fly. <laughs> yeah, it's actually an interesting fact. There's actually more planes in the ocean than there are submarines in the sky. That's a good point. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Again, I, as we said at the beginning of this, he brings the facts. I'm just here. <laughs> so, with... His I would have been a spiritualist back in the day. I'd have been like, no. <laughs> we, we're joking you got, around. Uh, ligma. <laughs> we're What's joking ligma? around. You're making fun, but I think the only reason you're making fun is because this hits too close to Yeah, home. it does. It's like, oh, dang. You know, I would wish I could have thought of that. I'd have made a killer. I could have been the next grade. <laughs> Which, you know, you could make a argument that there's probably still spiritualists oh there are i mean crystal girls same thing well the psychic mediums are still a thing they just like come on they're not making they're not as like it's the market is saturated the the heyday for 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 mediums and uh, psychics were in the early 2000s to 90s when you could call call this number 1-800-968 that's not going on anymore yeah you can't use it you're not especially the tarot readings yeah I just want to know, like, should I get back with my boyfriend? What was that lady's name? Madam something, probably. Yeah, there was the tarot reader in, like, the 90s. She Mm -hmm. was, like, I can't remember her name. Yeah, I don't know. Um, So, with his copious volumes of text, as well as his lectures, Davis stayed prominent throughout the decades to come. And Davis became, or, sorry, Davis began two Mm -hmm. different spiritualist organizations. 
Oh. I'm not going to... What? Two? Yeah, two different he said, ones. He said, I don't want to. And these one. are just the ones they began. These aren't even the ones that he's just associated yeah. with. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to go too deep into all these, but one of them was called the Children's Progressive Lyceum, okay. which apparently had 700 children, and was... 700's a lot, I feel that like. That is a lot of children. Or 1850s. And had... Uh, was active in 17 states and also in the UK. The other organization was called the Moral Police Fraternity. <laughs> the Moral Police? Now, this one hey. I do like a lot. This was established as a social service agency which composed of spiritualists only who fought crime. Okay. All right. <laughs> Andrew Jackson Davis was also instrumental in the direction that the National Association of Spiritualists took so they did not just become a platform for hacky mediums yeah because he wasn't he wasn't necessarily a medium mm-hmm. he yeah. believed in the you got to go into a trance first if you're not going right. to a trance then you're not real yeah. you're not legit. right yeah you know? yeah he's calling out all these yeah. phonies all the phonies all the these fakes big fat phonies so and he and he puts it on his black skull cap right. and he fights he goes, crime. He goes out and fights he crime. Fights, and he fights dude, crime. He's like a superhero of his life. We Eddie. should make like a television show. Yeah. Starring Andrew Jackson Davis, like Edgar Casey, uh-huh. John Murray Spear. He's the wild card. Yeah. And they yeah. fight crime. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That, and then you have uh, you have Masp of yeah. This is going there. on. What is our channel called again? We we have a few pilots already ready to go. Oh right, yeah. I um, forgot what the bit was from all that, but it, okay. Maspa was one Maspa of them. Maspa is one of them. She has her own show. This one is a. Uh, I mean, this one's called the Moral Police, right? The moral, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. called the Moral Police, and it's kind of like the Law and Order right. version. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. And you got Andrew Jackson Davis coming out there with his prophetic air, yeah. this black skull cap. Maspa is like I love Lucy. Yes, mm-hmm. but with bright eyes. But with bright eyes, yeah. and <laughs> man, these are this is a good run yeah. right here. This is yeah, this is good. Um, so Davis, in now let's fast forward quite a bit because okay. basically his life just kind of continued on this where he was writing books. He's he's speaking. Um, he didn't really have any like major controversies throughout for like a good thirty years. He didn't yeah. really have any like he just kept being. He got with his lady. And yeah. so that, and they cut out the fornicating. Right. His second wife. Okay. Now, though, in 1885. So he's like 63. Yeah. Or, sorry, no, he's 59. Yeah. He's, he's, this is like yeah. four years before APJ dies. What is his name? RBJ. What JRB? JRB. 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 Oh, yeah. He died in, what, 1899. Yeah, he was yeah. right on the cusp. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's um, so Andrew Jackson Davis in 1885 mm-hmm. after being married for 30 years surprised his wife Mary by announcing that in fact she was not his true affinity. In reality, his true affinity, which is like a soulmate uh-huh. of, of sorts, belonged to a woman named Delphine. A coincidence? Do you think that she was 15 years younger than Mary? <laughs> Well, I gotta say... Do you think it's a... a lot, I, mean, I feel like there's a lot of older men who get a certain amount of money that they can do what they want. They might then find their... This might find their affinity yeah. with someone else. <laughs> yeah. It so happens on occasion. The new couple met so while the old Davis, uh-huh. the, you know, the 
aging Davis was yeah, studying. Yeah, fifty-seven-year-old yes. Davis. Yeah. yeah, was studying at the U.S. Medical College in New York, where he actually got an official accredited medical degree. Okay, and a doctorate. doctorate. He became a doctorate in anthropology. Hmm. So, she was also studying there. Hmm. Now. This is hypocritical on many May levels. I see what you put down on this test score, madame? <laughs> <laughs> I know we're studying anthropology here, but can we study the anatomy as well? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now, I had a wife once. Uh, name, uh, she had a lot of money she left to me, and uh, it's all drying up. What kind of funds do you have, lady? <laughs> Well, so this whole thing is hypocritical on many levels. Yeah. And obviously, you know, just the fact that he's, you know, uh, I don't, again, not to be too judgmental, but he has now two separate women who have been married. Yeah. That he's gotten with. Now this is a third woman who also was married. What? And he's, and he's married. And they start, oh all of gosh. a sudden, you know, they're, you know, once, immediately when he divorces his wife, they're together. So yeah. he's actually, he's he, cheating. Uh, I'm, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say this, like, there had to been a lot more. If he's going mm-hmm. three for three, there had to been numerous. Things oh, yeah, for well, sure. Well, during this for 30 sure. years of marriage, Davis wrote in his books, such mm-hmm. as The Magic Staff, yeah. Yeah. that she was not only his physical match, but also his spiritual match. Mm-hmm. And he oh. actually name-dropped his wife, Mary, as his yep. being his spiritual match. Yeah, And he also said that that is a thing, that you can have a physical match, yeah. you know, someone that you're married to in the physical life, but then when you get, if you either don't find that person that you're supposed to be with, or if that person just, you know, there's just, that person just because you're married in the physical realm, he did not feel like necessarily made them your mm-hmm. spiritual mm-hmm. Uh, soulmate, your actual soulmate, so then whenever you pass on to the afterlife, you are matched then with mm-hmm. your soulmate. Yeah. He claimed that Mary was his soulmate. Now all of a sudden, after 30 years, uh-huh. he's changing his tune. This is another thing, again, I have to bring up Edgar Casey because Edgar Casey pulled the exact same stunt in his, towards the end of his life. I didn't want to say nothing earlier, but I lied about her being my soulmate now that I've got this other girl. How old was this chick? You said 15 she years She was 15 younger years than, younger than so Mary. So she was in her Mary four- was a little bit younger than Andrew Jackson Davis, but not by oh, much. Okay, so she was not probably in much. her 40s She's or probably, maybe late 30s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, so it's not like on, he's right on sixty. Yeah, so it's not like he's going for. No, he's he's not Leonardo this, DiCaprio. Yeah, he's you know, de- dumping all these elderly women of twenty four. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's not doing that, but yeah. it's still you know. Now, sorry, babe, we're gonna have to put you in the retirement home. <laughs> no, no, Leo, please don't. So this marriage with Delphine lasted until his death. The Poughkeepsie Seer passed away in January of 1910. Oh, dang. He's pretty old. 1910? Yeah, 1910. Hmm. From an asthmatic condition. No. Did he, he see it? Did he? Could he well, diagnose he, himself? Yeah, he knew it was coming. Yeah. Yeah. He was publicly mourned uh, mm-hmm. throughout New England, and his death and legacy were, was discussed in major newspapers mm-hmm. across the country. Today, his entire collection of works, and this is a fascinating and something that uh, I personally love so much, yeah. his entire collection of works, everything that his name is attached to, are housed at Edgar Casey's A.R.E. Really? They are right alongside yeah. Edgar Casey's work and Andrew Jackson Davis. Where's all work. of Edgar Casey's stuff? All at? in uh, Virginia City. 
or sorry, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Virginia Beach, Virginia. Oh, is that where he had his practice? That's, that's where he established the ARE, which is a, was a Association of uh, Research and Enlightenment. Yeah. Um, he established that in Virginia Beach towards his later years. Uh, and then he that's actually where he passed away, but he is buried in Hopkinsville, mm-hmm. Kentucky. But um, Virginia Beach is where the ARE, and the ARE was continued to run to be run by Edgar Casey's son, Hugh. And then has since been, and it's actually just grown since Edgar Casey passed. Yeah. And it was actually, I've said it on the podcast before, but it was featured on an episode of 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> so, it's... That's legit. There. If that doesn't prove your legitimacy, I don't know what does. Now, uh, it's so fitting, though, that Andrew Jackson yeah. Davis stuff is uh, alongside of Edgar Casey stuff. Because right. they really are cut from the same cloth. They mm-hmm. are, there's so many similarities between these two yeah. guys. It's really weird yeah honestly yeah. were they born um, in the same time period uh Edgar Casey was born while Andrew Jackson Davis was alive Dang. but Edgar Casey was born in the 1870s and passed away in the 1940s uh-huh so he's he's a good is it possible you know, that whenever whenever our gentleman here passed away mm-hmm. Andrew Jackson Davis mm-hmm. his spirit his knowledge went to... to I mean, it's possible that Edgar Casey talked to Andrew Jackson Davis' okay. spirit. Okay, all right. I didn't yeah. know if we were... Uh, just from going from their lore that they've created. Okay, all right. I'm I didn't gonna know go there was like some sort of... They do... Now, Casey transfer. does believe in reincarnation, but again, yeah. they he was... Their lives did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know what, yeah. what... I'm gonna have to go through the whole Edgar Casey thing. I didn't know what point his, like, real spiritualism s- struck up. Oh, it was it, like no, his, spiritual, no, his spiritualism struck up uh, about as as early as Andrew Jackson. Oh, okay. They have such a fascinating yeah. and close hmm. arc as yeah. far as like their upbringing. Uh-huh. They had they both have drunk fathers. Yeah, uh, they both are rural, um, close to illiterate, no formal schooling, hmm. uh, farm hands, odd jobs. The thing that there are some things that put them. Right, uh, you know, at odds, but um, they both seemingly have a photographic memory. Yeah, it's really wild. Um, now the great American spiritualist, uh-huh. the Poughkeepsie Seer, truly set the tone for everyone who came after him. Yeah. And now I will end with a quote. Please do. Of the man of the hour. Any theory, hypotheses, philosophy, sect, creed, or institution. That fears investigation openly manifests its own error. And that, my friends, is Andrew Jackson Davis. The wow. Poughkeepsie's here. Wow. What a what a what a gentleman and a scholar. Yeah, I told you we had a big boy. He He was a big boy. He was the There's, holder of the magic staff. And, you know, again, this is too with uh, Andrew Jackson Davis. I easily hmm. you know, we easily could have done Right. More episodes on him. Yeah. We easily, and maybe we'll come back to him and maybe dip a little deeper into just like his actual beliefs Mm -hmm. because we didn't really touch on many of his like real teachings. Let's, let's learn more about him. Yeah. Yeah. Let's plan on that. Let's go ahead and just say, let's, we'll do an episode. We'll do an episode about just now that we've done the biography of Andrew Jackson Davis. 
Yeah. Later on, <laughs> yeah. we will do a uh, what does the magic staff have to bring right. to the table? You yeah, know, like, like let's let's find out what kind of magic he was using to make all these married women want to leave their husbands for him. Because maybe that's something that he wasn't teaching. You know, because well, he's, he's just a charming fella. I don't know. He might have been using some sort of. Do you think is he was using the staff? He could have been using some sort of staff. <laughs> I don't know. That I don't know. Well, um, thank you everyone for watching, listening, and um, yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> Thanks uh, for sticking oh, with us. Yeah, here you go. Here you go. Um, let me let me see if I can channel what John. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me see. Wait, what... hold on. Let me try to put you in trance first. Oh, okay. Hold yeah, on, yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Watch my hand. You are going to go to sleep now. Who do you hear? Uh. uh. All right. Oh Peace. <gasps> John. <laughs> Peace. Love you guys. Email us at rumorsconfab at gmail.com. How did I get here, Isaac? Check us out on YouTube. What? Uh, Where TikTok, am I? Instagram. Uh, and, you know, all the places you get podcasts. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> See you again, buddy.